to turn to 1 John again, chapter 2. Thankful for the sweetness of the Spirit of God in the house tonight. First John chapter 2 is where we're going to begin tonight. Um, in verse 15, then we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's begin reading. We're going to somewhat pick up where we left off last week. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. Did you hear that? The world is passing away. And the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of us, that none of them were of us. Verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Now hold on on that. Who's he talking to? I just want you to notice that little children, he's talking to us, talking to the church. He says, but you have you have an anointing from the Holy One. We should remember that if you're a child of God, you have an anointing from the Holy One. Why is that important? You know, Christ, you accept Christ. Christ, the word Christ means the anointed. If you're in Christ, then you're in the anointed. It says you have an anointing from the Holy One. Why is that important? We're going to discuss some things here in a minute, but I, as some groundwork, I want you to understand that because you have an anointing from the Holy One, you are in a position to do battle. The Word of God declares that the yoke is destroyed. Why? Because of the anointing. So if you have an anointing from the Holy One, you have what it takes for the yoke to be destroyed, for the yoke to be broken off of your neck. Come on, somebody. You know, I think sometimes in the church we don't want to learn these things and know these things because when we know it, we have to own it. Hold on a minute. Can y'all name that tune going down the highway? Boom, boom, boom. I don't want to get stopped here, just, but sometimes I stop where, where something comes to light. The Word of God, as you very well know, says that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. What is read to you, love not the world, neither the things of this world. We live here, we're in it, but we're not part of it. 
We're in the marketplace. We're in the job. We're in the, there are some, some people in the past and at times get into a place where they think that, they, you know, that this means that you don't interact with people. and the thing, That's not what it means. We are in this world. But we're not of this world. And I just read to you, love not the world, nor the things of this world. Then we, we follow on down, following John's thoughts, and we come to a place where he talks to us as little children, and he says that you, that's you. I'm, in, I'm included in the you. The you is us. You have an anointing from the Holy One. If you have an anointing, you have a power. If you have anointing, you have power. That means that you have, you, have the, you have an ability to stand against the things of this world and the things that the enemy throws against us. You. And it occurs to me that sometimes that we don't want to break this down and see that the you is me. Because once I realize that it's talking to me, then I have the responsibility to work with it. What do you mean? That if I, if I have an anointing, if I have, if I have the power of God in my life, flowing through my life, then I have the ability to withstand. Uh-oh. I'll even go so far as to resist sin. To control your thought life. We're going there here in just a few minutes. We're not floating aimlessly through this world hoping to make it to the end. God pull us out of here so we don't have to deal with it anymore. I'm talking about a mentality that I know exists, that I know permeates the church. When the truth of the matter is, is not only are we in this world, but not of this world, but we were told to occupy till he comes. Occupy till he comes. That's not a passive position. That's a, that's a position of responsibility. The gospel and the power of God has to come back to us personally. Too often we look at it as only corporate. In other words, as the body of Christ, as, as a church, as a fellowship of believers, that, that the church can withstand or the church can do this or the church can do that. Well, you are a member, you are a body part, you are a part of the body of Christ, and it's in us individually. We have an individual part to play. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. You say, well, preacher, I don't know much. You have an anointing and access to know everything that God has written down. I'll say that again. You have an anointing. You have access. If you're a believer, you've been renewed by the Spirit of God. So you have access to the teacher. When he, the Spirit of God, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So you have everything at your disposal. You have, you have everything you need to live a victorious life. You do. I do. You do. We have to take advantage of it. And this is where John said, I have not written to you because you don't know the truth. Verse 23. 
No, verse 21. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. We talked about that last week. Who is a liar but he that denies Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, small a. Who denies the Father and the Son? Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either, but he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now I want to turn to 2 Corinthians. Very familiar. So John's just told us that you're in the world or to love not the things of the world. He's told us that you have an anointing. He's told us that there's no lie that's of the truth and no truth that's of a lie, however you want to say it. He, I've just explained to you that you have access to truth, everything you need. You have an anointing, so therefore you have the power of the touch of God on your life. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. And it's individual. We all have a responsibility. Man, that's a foreign concept. Even, I mean, there's a, most of us in this room were raised in the era in America that personal responsibility was put in us. But, that has, but, but the mentality of it's somebody else's fault is permeating even us, the church. It, even us. Even, it, it's, a, it's even a fight in my own family with my own kids. I don't mean fighting between us. I mean it is a constant battle to drive that mentality out that it's someone else's fault. Or is it just our family? That is the mantra of the day. It's always, it's always, I feel like, or I thought, or, well, if they hadn't have done. But what about us? When I read a very familiar passage of Scripture that most everybody identifies with spiritual warfare, you're going to find again that the responsibility to fight and how to fight lies with the individual. I can join with you. There's strength in numbers. God compares His church to an army at times. He tells us that there's power in agreement where two or three agree is touching anything. Amen. Says things in the Psalms like if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. We understand that. But it comes down to us. Let's read. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with who? You. He said, I am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in present am lowly among you, and being absent and bold toward you. Verse 2, he says it again, I beg you that when I am present, I may intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now listen. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. What does that mean? We're in flesh, but we don't fight from our fleshy position. Okay? You with me? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What's that word mean? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Carnal is just another word for flesh or natural. The weapons of our warfare, this spiritual fight we are in, are not by natural means. They're not carnal, fleshy. But thank God they're mighty 
Through God. How? Through God. Now listen. To the pulling down of strongholds. You've heard this. Casting down imaginations or arguments. And most of the high things... Every high thing. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that does what? Exalts itself above the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? You ever notice it always comes back to the book? It always comes back to the book. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. There's always something trying to exalt itself above the Word. Always. It's usually human reasoning, philosophy, etc., the simple way to put it is when we begin to think we know more and got more understanding than God does. But it's not done. This is, the, this is really the highlight of my thought tonight, maybe. <laughs> Bringing every thought. How many thoughts? Every thought, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being, oh my hell, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience, whose obedience? Your obedience is fulfilled. Let me pray over this. Lord, we love you tonight and thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for direction. Lord, I'm asking for your help. Lord, to walk us through tonight what you would say to your people. And we'll be careful to give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're in this world. We're not of this world. We are to love not the things of this world. We're to recognize truth and you have an anointing. Then it gets in, then we, we're laying all that to get to the point where we're talking about, I really want to talk about, I guess, it, I guess if it got right down to it, you've heard people say it before, but let's say it again. We're really here to talk about your stinking thinking. Because every battle that you ever face whether spiritual or a natural, physical battle, an all-out war, first is going to be the product of someone's thinking. I've seen relationships destroyed permanently because of what somebody thought. Sometimes it's what somebody, oftentimes now, it's what somebody thinks when they never even consulted who they thought it about. Fair? I wanted to look at all of it's important. It's all part of the mix. It's all the responsibility is on the believer to do it. It says you are the one that casts down imaginations. Not on your own. Because it's not carnal, it's not fleshy. They're mighty through God. So, but strongholds don't just disappear. Strongholds have to be cast down. What are strongholds? They are things that the enemy builds up where? In your mind, in your spirit, that stand between you and what's true. Strongholds 
You can wall yourself in a stronghold until you have literally built your own prison, and that's called bondage. And strongholds don't just go away. The Bible says that the, the, the first marker of warfare into victory is the casting down the strongholds. I want you to understand that everything in this dissertation, in this part of chapter 10, that Paul is discussing with the church happens right here. Because everything, every action you take, without exception, every person I'm looking at or I may be talking to, every, except, every action you take begins in your mind. It begins with a thought. Think about it. Evil things. We all know what Adolf Hitler done back in the 30s and the 40s when he made a decision to take it on himself to eradicate the Jewish people. The Holocaust as we know it began in the thinking process of one man. That convinced other people to go along with his thinking. Great things in this world originated as a thought in someone's mind. Listen to me. This is why I'll even steer over there right now. If I remember which direction my Bible works. This is why Paul wrote things like this. Listen to me. It all goes together. The Bible's cohesive. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, Think on these things. What you think about matters. What you think about matters. What you, I talk about pondering all the time. That's what I think about at length. What I sit and meditate on, what I break down, what I process, what I go through. What I think about matters. When you come to a point that you begin to believe, have you ever been there or have you ever known someone that begin to get off the skids and they begin to think that everybody they everywhere they go someone is against them have you been there or have you known someone there and you're on the outside looking in and you're thinking what are you talking about it's very apparent to you that it is a process going on in their own mind I'll put it in right here because it'll help somebody. Everybody's not thinking about you. 
And now some of you, that is going to be quite a shock. You know, every week at about 10 to 8, I start meddling. I just happen to notice it. But there's some things I just got to say just so we can understand where we're at. Part of the problem, now I think this problem's universal and has been around forever, but I, I, I definitely think there are cycles or at least seasons when it seems a little worse. And a lot of these things, man, I, I'm trying to decide if I can dig out in time to dig this hole. Because I've already thrown out there that it's, believe it or not, it's not all about you. Had someone one time talking to me about their problem. I, I'm being very careful here. And y'all hear me out, okay? They, they had a problem with everybody was against them and everywhere they went somebody was talking about them and everywhere they went somebody was mad at them and everywhere they went this is true I'm not going to tell you the who but it's true first hand account you know if they walk into a room and somebody looked up well they're talking about me well I, I hadn't seen that person in 30 years but man I walked in the room and they were obviously mad at me well you know I just don't know if that's true or not well, I, it, it is. I've dealt with this all of my life. I've always had this low self-esteem. And I got to thinking about that while the conversation was going on. And you know how sometimes it does with me. It comes in, out in my mind and out my mouth. But it occurred to me suddenly, you don't have self, low self-esteem. You're what Romans 12 was talking about when it said not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. You've got the opposite problem of self-esteem. You think everything is about you. Uh-oh. Don't think about it. Are you with me? Now think about it. Somebody in this room, think about it. If you're watching by YouTube, think about it. There's six billion people on this world. Maybe seven now. I don't know. Six or seven billion people in this world. And you're one of them. And you can go to Dairy Queen or Houston or Honolulu. And everywhere you walk in, somebody's talking about you. You're right. They don't even know you. And the ones that do know you, they got other things to do than to think about you. Now I'm going somewhere with this because this is warfare. This is where things begin to get twisted up in your mind and the devil begins to get in your head and begins to take you in a direction that is not true. These are just symptoms that I'm talking about. It can manifest in other ways. But the fact of the matter is, it's before you know it, I've seen it. When you have that going on where, where you're offended at everybody or somebody's always mad at you and it's all about you, what happens is then you turn around and you find yourself completely walled up off and cut off from everyone. Because the only person you can trust is you. You're in bondage. It's a war. You should always remember that anything that's trying to isolate you is the enemy. In the animal kingdom, it's a predator. A predator will always try to separate before it kills. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal because the warfare is not carnal. Did you hear me? 
The war itself is not carnal. It's not fleshy. The war is spiritual. And the goal almost always is to get you separated and by yourself. To get you walled in. To get a stronghold built around you. When you're walled in and isolated, you're in a dangerous spot for yourself, but you're also no good to anyone else. As far as the fight goes. And I can even tell you what happens right now. There's somebody listening to me that's already figured out that I'm in this situation. And you said, the preacher said, well, you're no good to anyone else. So right now, in your mind, immediately, the enemies come in and say, see, you're no good to anybody. And the preacher didn't say that. The accuser said that. Somebody said, how do I I know when it's God, when it's me, when it's the enemy? Anybody ever ask yourself that question? Preacher, how do I know if, if, if if, if it's God dealing with me? If it's the enemy dealing with me? If it's me dealing with me, you know that's the three that can deal with you. Right? Well, if it's yourself dealing with you, I can promise you one thing. It'll be selfish. That's really not that hard. If it's you guiding you, it'll be selfish. It'll be all about you. If it's the enemy dealing with you, Well, it'll, it'll have an end goal always. I've already said it of kill, steal, and destroy. But most of the time, no, all of the time, it's accusatory and it's condemning. It comes at you with an accusation. Anybody know about accusations? Now, let's be real clear on something. When it's God, it'll, it'll lift up God. It'll further the kingdom. It'll promote you. It'll, it'll encourage you. It'll edify you. And if you're in sin or whatever, it will convict you. Now listen to me. Because you're going to get confused about conviction and about accusation. Accusation's just that. It's, it's been thrown at you. and You know, anybody can accuse anybody of anything. So how do I not, how do, preacher, how do I know it's not, it's not conviction? When it's conviction from God, it won't be an accusation. You'll know it's true. Right. Right. Oh, man, y'all make me have to take, you make me have to explain things. Difference between conviction and condemnation. Do you know there's a difference? There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Right? But when, but when God convicts, I'll tell you the difference. Truth spoken in love, truth, truth, the truth of God, spoken in love will bring conviction to your life. When I was lost and the word of the Lord came to me, the spirit, there was, a, there was a, an anointed word that the spirit of God convicted my heart. I knew I was a sinner. Not because of the preacher, what the preacher said. Not because of what my mama told me. I knew that I was a sinner. Because the love of, because, but through the foolishness of preaching, the love of God came in and said, you're lost and you need me, but I'm here to save you. Truth and love brings conviction. 
Conviction is a beautiful thing. Conviction is how you got saved. Conviction is how I got saved. There's never been anyone come to the cross that conviction didn't bring them there. Conviction is the same thing spiritually as it is in the courtroom. Judgment has been pronounced. You're guilty. The difference is, is you know it. There ain't no false pleas. There's no plea bargains. There's no, there's no slick lawyer and there's no smooth talking. You're guilty and you know it. But you have a redeemer that's, offer, that's standing there offering life. That's conviction. Truth without love. I mean, you know, you can tell the truth without love. That means you can make a true statement, but there's no love in it. Truth without love is condemnation. Truth without love is condemnation. Condemnation comes from the enemy or us. We can put somebody under condemnation. We have that ability. We don't have the ability to convict someone of sin. Hey, you can use the same words. But when it comes from you with no heart of love, all it is is just another, another, another slash, another cut, another dig. But when, the, but when the Spirit of God gets involved in it, it's a whole new thing. And there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Strongholds. It says casting down imaginations or arguments. You know what that literally means? I like King James there, casting down imaginations. It literally means what it says. These are, these, are, these, are, these are falsehoods or accusations that are just flat out imagination. They're not real. It's not true. It's just an accusation. And it says to cast it down. Who? Who? You. Jesus isn't coming by before bedtime to cast down your imaginations. He's given you his word. He's empowered you with his spirit. He's given you what's true. You are to take what you know to be true and lay it against the lie and cast the lie out. This is good. You. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself. If it's self-promoting. <laughs> every high thing that exalts itself. Against what? The knowledge of God. Again, what is true? Thy word is truth. What God says about you is true. High things. What is that? I looked it up one time. Literally means against casting down imaginations and every high thing. They're both to be cast down. Did you catch that? Casting down imaginations and every high thing you cast them both down they're tied together conjunction and high things is pretense don't you love a pretentious person I'll give you the answer I asked you the question but I'll go ahead and give you the answer I've never met a pretentious person yet that I enjoyed being around. 
What is a pretense? Well, I like to deal with things familiar, and sometimes, you know, you just want to kill your kids. There ain't a person in here that's ever had a kid that you didn't want to kill them at some point. They provide lots of examples. <laughs> or mine do. <laughs> There's only one of them in here. Pretension. Every high thing, pretense. Let me give you a really quick example of pretense. It's when you hadn't heard from one of them little turkeys for about four months. And they call and say, Daddy, man, I had you on my mind today, and I just, I, I just wanted to talk to you. Every one of you just straightened up. Because every one of you know that in about three or four minutes, that's going to turn from, I just wanted to talk to you, had you on my mind, to, is there any way that you could... I don't even have to finish that sentence, do I? Pretense. Pretentious. It's when they come at you with one thing saying this is what I'm about, but it's really about this. Pretense is the way to get in the door, but this is what I really want. Casting down imaginations in every high thing. I read a thing the other day. It says, said my daughter texted me four times asking if she could borrow $20. said, you know what? I got, said what? It said four unanswered texts and 20 bucks in my pocket. Y'all didn't catch that. I ain't answering. I'm keeping my 20. Cast down, casting down that imagination. Casting down every imagination, every high thing, pretense, that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. These imaginations and pretenses will come in with the, with, uh, uh, well, under the pretense of, oh, I know God said that, but this would, this would be okay this time. Anything becomes a, that exalts itself what's it talking about that that brings itself up as truth sets itself up as truth and exalts itself it lifts itself exalts means to lift itself up above what is true anything that comes and sets itself up it's against the word of god but it sets itself up as higher knowledge is a, an imagination and a high thing that it's supposed to be cast down. We spend more time entertaining it, justifying it, trying to keep from hurting its feelings. Did you hear what I just said? Because, see, there's another side of this warfare. Because sometimes you're the, you're, the, you're the pretentious. You're the one exalting. You don't need to be in that position. That's not it. But part of the problem of why we are losing our war is because we're trying to coddle these things instead of casting them down. You're not listening. I won't even hear you out. You come sit in my office needing to talk about something and, and you give you the word of God and you start, well, yeah, pastor, but I say, but nothing. Yeah. Well, you're not hearing me. I don't need to hear you out. I just gave you the truth and you just gave me the but. And I learned something a long time ago, sheep follow and goats butt. If you got a problem, the word has a solution. You give you the word, and the, and your next response is, "Well, you don't understand, or yeah, but that I am going to cast down your imagination and your high thing that's trying to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. I'm not even going to listen to the rest of your sentence 
because I'm wasting your time and I'm wasting my time. People want an answer that's above the Word of God. That is why we are losing, because somehow we've got it in our mind that we are unkind when we cut things off and cast it down. And it's not unkind. I'll tell you a story. It's right here. It happened right here. You don't know them, so don't try to figure it out. They don't go to church here. You've never seen them, I promise. By this little couple that was coming by wanting counseling all the time. They called me one day, Preacher, do you do counseling? Well, yeah. I mean, I thought you may not like my counseling, but I do. <laughs> and they come, and that weird. I ain't going to tell you. I could sit up here all holy and pious and tell you, but they were weird. <laughs> Am I in trouble? Yes. She says, yes, you are. Strange little, strange little birds. There's nothing wrong with being a strange little bird. It takes all kinds. You know, if it wasn't for ugly ostriches, peacocks wouldn't be near as special. You know, it takes all kinds. What? Am I in trouble again? Yes. <laughs> well, they're... Can I just say it all in this, how it is? They're shacked up into everything there is in the world, doing everything they can, involved in everything in the world, and then wondering why they're a miserable life and they can't get along and live together. So when they come in, I said, listen, you need to understand a few things about me. I'll save you some, maybe some time if you ever want to come talk to me. Because there's some things that you need to understand right up front. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist. I'm a pastor. I don't have any psychobabble for you. Because if I got any, I'm going to get $200 an hour for it. <laughs> so you want the private plan, which is I'm a pastor. And I don't have anything for you other than the Word of God. That's all I got. Well, we're, he's into this and he's into that and he's into this. And he, I said, what about you? Well, we talked about that too. I said, so I said, well, you know, what we really need to do, we need to pray. You need to get your life right with God. You need to find you a church, whether this one or somewhere else. It doesn't matter. I'm not trying to bring you here. Just find you a good Bible-believing church. Get in it. Get married. Live for God. Right. Step one, get saved. Step two, get a church. Step three, live for God. I left out married somewhere. If you're going to live together, get married. Well, they come back again. We kind of started all over the same point. She said, well, he's wanting to smoke a little weed again and everything and blah, 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 blah. I said, well, if you want to be married to a, to a dope head, go, go ahead. I mean, you're not married yet, are you? No. Long story short, they come in a third time. And I can't believe I went to three, much less four. But the third time they come in, so he's doing this still and everything. I said, are you married? She said, no. I said, then what business is it of yours what he's doing? Yeah. <laughs> we talked a little while longer, not much. <laughs> well, uh, here a while back, they called again. I thought, you know what? You're wearing me out. I'm not off track. I'm, I'm still right where I'm supposed to be. They come in, they sit down. I thought, buddy, this is fixing to be one short conversation. It took you longer to drive here than it's going to take to have this conversation, I promise you. Because I got three questions for you. Can y'all guess what it was? Have you saved, found a church, got married, living for God? It started out the same well, you know, I could tell when it was her calling by the way the phone whined when it rang. <laughs> I said, are you, have you ever got married? No, we're thinking about it. I said, what are you thinking about? It's not, it's, not, it's not a big process. You go get your marriage license, you get married. 
well, I would like a wedding. You can have a wedding at the courthouse or right here. Well, I would like to have some things together and can afford this and can afford that. I said, you're already living together. You're already poor as church mice. You're already doing it all. You're just, gonna, you're just in sin. And you're gonna, if you die this way, you're going to hell. And I have no relationship advice for you until you get saved, get married, get in church, live for God. I told you I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, I am a pastor. And these, what are you talking about, preacher? These things are what is true. The Word of God says you can't live that way. We're trying to coddle sin and exalted thinking and philosophy Modern age, well, pastor, this is 2021. God, God has the same standard now on marriage and everything else that he's always had. And until you get, I said, I, said, I like y'all, even though they're weird. I do like them, but they're weird. And I said, if you don't get saved, you don't get married, you don't get in church, I have nothing left to offer you. Do, if you get those three things... Call me, and we will help you build your life on those three things. But if you don't do those three things, do not ever call me again. Yes, I told them that. If you're not getting saved, not getting married, not getting your life right, I have nothing to offer. You say, well, preacher, you're a jerk. No, I'm not a jerk. I love somebody enough to tell them that I can tell you every philosophy in the world, but if you don't get your high-minded philosophy in line with what truth is, that I have nothing left to give you, and you have nothing that can be done with it. Casting down every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is you know you got to be saved. You know you can't be shacked up. You know you need to be living for God. And there's nothing I can do for you relationally until you get that. I said, literally, I said, you can't skip steps. Now, that may not make y'all proud, but it's right. It's right. And we used to know it was right. And if you don't learn to stand, I'm talking about in your life. I'm not talking about my funny little story. We owe people the truth of the Word of God. There, that is warfare going on in that couple's life. Do you, know, do you understand what I'm telling you? And they're losing the battle because they're fighting it through, carn through a carnal fleshy means that they think, they think they can circumvent what God's Word says and it's going to work. And for the love of God, somebody had to tell them what's true. People are fighting church folks, sitting on pews, are living defeated lives because they're reading the word, they know what's true, but they're living a yeah, but lifestyle. And they keep coming wanting the preacher, the Sunday school teacher, the sermon, the worship, and everything else to give them something that they're never going to acquire because they haven't taken the basic steps Preacher, that's offensive. Last time I checked, the Word of God says that Jesus was the rock of offense. We're not talking about going after people and hurting their feelings just to be, to be mean to them. We're talking about that the truth itself. Do you know why atheists hate our guts?
Because why in the world would you be upset about somebody praying to or doing to something, to something you don't even believe in? Why would you care? Because they know that it's true. And they don't want you, me, or anybody else telling them that the way they live is wrong. The carnal position is I'm as good as you or anybody else and I'll live my life any way I want to and don't you dare tell me that there's anything wrong with it. Well, I don't have a position or a place to tell you there's anything wrong with it, but I can tell you exactly what the Word of God says and that Word is true. Well, don't you judge me. Listen, I got news for you. John chapter 3, the same chapter 3 that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life, goes on to say Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. All true. Then he continues and he says he didn't have, he, that the reason that he didn't come to condemn the world is because the world, which condemn means judge, by the way. He came to save the world. Why? Because the world's already condemned. God, listen to me, somebody. God is not going to judge sin. It's not a future event. God is not going to judge sin. God has already judged sin and written it down. He is going to judge people. Only God can judge me that ought to scare you. Because if you haven't surrendered your life, if you're not covered by the blood of Jesus, you are already judged. And it'll be righteous judgment. All anybody that proclaims the truth of that word is doing is bringing you back to truth. And that is the greatest act of love and mercy that any person could do for another person. Is to tell them what is true. To tell them what is true. Amen? amen. Oh, I gotta say amen. It's late. Amen. 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 That's a good place to end as any. Casting down imaginations, everything that exhausts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing, I, I really wanted to say so, I'll say it real quick, bringing every thought into captivity. Who? You. Bring that stuff. When it comes in your mind, the thoughts, your thought lives are, is yours. When those thoughts come to your mind and they're not what's true, the Bible says to bring that into captivity and get rid of it. Quit standing around pondering, crying, wondering, everything else. You say, well, preacher, I'm not geared like you. I'm not asking you to be geared like me. I'm asking you to believe the word. Why sit around and cry over it for three days when the Word said it's not true? All that says to me, to God, to you, to everybody is you don't believe what the Word says. You believe the lie. And there is no lie that is of the truth. That's where we started. There's no lie that's of the truth. Why entertain it? Stop it. Put it down. Cast it out. That is the battle. That is the war. The battle, the fight, mostly takes place between your ears. And the only way you can fight it is to know what's true. And what's true is written down. It never changes. It's from everlasting to everlasting. This world's going to pass away. Heaven and earth going to pass away. But the Word of God will never pass away. Amen. Stand with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for your Word, for what's true. Lord, I thank you that through your Spirit and through your Word that you've conveyed your message tonight. Lord, I pray that we apply it, that we live it, that we be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Lord, we thank you for changed lives tonight, that we're changed by the Word of God. We're changed by the Word of God. Tonight, that your Word has went forth, now let us apply it and change. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said amen. Shake somebody's hand and hug somebody's neck. Tell them you love them, even if it's just by faith. <laughs>